Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. So today we have a really special guest, Mary Ellen Clausen. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary Ellen. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this project. Thank you. Uh, Mary Ellen is well known um, for being the founding director of Ophelia's Place, which opened in 2002. Is that right, Mary Ellen? Yeah, that's correct. Right there? And it is a nonprofit, and it really, you know, is a center of education and advocacy for eating disorders. Um, and uh, she has really made a name for herself and for Ophelia's place in her outreach. And then in 2009, you created Cafe 407, uh, which is uh, a community gathering place and a lovely cafe, I might say. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> which supports her mission. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about how this all came about, Mary Ellen, the, the Ophelia's place for those who don't know? Sure. So I started Ophelia's Place as a, really as a response to our own family's struggle with eating disorders. So I have two daughters, uh, both that were struggling. And I think one of the things that I realized, Nicole, was that um, eating disorders is a family disease. Mm -hmm. And I think early on, I believed that I could kind of draw this line in the sand that was just an us and a them, and I could fix them somehow right? Like it was, I'd go to the, you know, I'm going to date myself here when I say this, but, you know, I thought I could go to the yellow pages and, um, you know, there would be a heading for eating disorders. I would get them the treatment that they needed and then we would move on and we would all be healed, right? Like a flu or something. Yes, or a bone that needed to be set, right? And so this was a whole new world for us, and it was um, it was a challenge, and it was devastating, and it was I knew very little about eating disorders, and so as we navigated this whole experience and this whole disease, we really learned that this was a family disease, and that we could all be part of the healing solution. The and and that was something that we had struggled with early on is that you know this goes back. You know 20 years and 20 years ago um, there wasn't we weren't talking a lot about eating disorders and there wasn't a lot of research that was being done about that and family dynamics and um, again none of this came from a place of blame it was really just about understanding the disease and figuring out how we could be a part of you know the solution and how we could learn to connect at a deeper level and what was behind all of that so really, that's really was the impetus for Ophelia's place. That was the birth of it. It was when my younger daughter came back from being in a treatment program for four and a half months out in Arizona. 
And she'd come back and said that, you know, she was in between semesters of her senior year of high school. And she had said that I wish that there was a place here locally that I could go to. And both of my daughters, I mean, they went to programs from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin to Arizona. And it made it very difficult for families, for us as a family to be involved in the healing and recovery. And so we were really struggling and stumbling our way through that. And so when my daughter had said, you know, I wish there was a place here locally, we started to explore that. And what would that look like? And one of the things that she communicated that she needed was a place that was safe and supportive that could provide perhaps support groups and um, that she knew she wasn't alone. And that was the beginning of it. We really did. I can look back now, Nicole, and say what we did at the time was a needs assessment. Um, I couldn't have identified that at the time. It was just this desperation of, hey, we're going to hold an open house and we're going to see, we're going to say if you or somebody, basically we took an ad out in the local penny saver because the World Wide Web, right? Google didn't exist. Search engines (laughs) didn't exist. We were just exploring. And then we were exploring the World Wide Web with dial-up service, right? And so we took an ad out in the local Penny Saver, a free publication that basically said, if you or somebody you know is struggling with an eating disorder, we want to hear from you. And that was the beginning of it. We had 75 people come that evening. And we knew then that it was a real need in the community. And But you know what I, I, I really take from this as you're describing it is you're a woman who's curious and... And uh, obviously super resourceful, but also you have a certain attitude as it comes out like, I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) It doesn't exist, but that doesn't, you know, like you have this um, sense of agency, you know, um, and like, well, it's not here, so I'm going to make it. Yes, I am a long time problem solver. That's what I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is this? I'm always about what is the solution? How can we resolve this? How can we fix this? And also at some level, and here I go, you know, uh, sorry, as you know, I'm a therapist, but like <laughs> at some level, you must believe that you're a powerful force and that you don't know the answer, but you're going to figure it out. You know, I think it's so interesting to hear you say that because I don't know that I would describe myself as being powerful. And yeah, I think we all have that inner power, right? And like, what is it? What is it that drives us and motivates us? And for me, I think certainly at the time it was that, you know, that mama bear, right? Like this is Mm -hmm. my role and this is my job is to take care and protect my children. And when I couldn't do that, it really turned my life upside down. And I drew from that power, right? That source. And I think that that has been a guiding um, a guiding path for me, right? Like I, I get, I get to do that, right? I get to be a part of, um, the, not only the healing journey, but just the whole, um, part of that power that you refer to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you said, and, and many people who are listening are mothers, we know what that's like when you're desperate and it's the most important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it sounds like you just took everything you had and you said, I have to figure this out. It was a life and death question. And, you know, Nicole, I also think I was, um, I think anger was a motivator for me. 
right? Like I think when we get angry, like it's, for me, it's often an emotion that is hard for me to express because I don't know what to do with anger. And I think when I was angry over the lack of knowledge and the lack of resources that were available in our community at the time, um, I think I, I used that as a way to motivate and to channel all of this anger, right? Like what, what is it that I can do? And so for mm -hmm. me, it became part of that place that I wanted to, a gap that I wanted to fill. It was mm -hmm. almost this compelling um, pull that I couldn't not do it. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes, it does. All the forces kind of came together. Yes. Um, to and I by no means reality. did this alone. It was truly a community of so mm -hmm. many like-minded people and organizations and passionate, you know, friends that came together and said, hey, we are in this with you and we are going to, we're going to, we're going to make this work. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know that I, I, I treat people with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And one thing that occurs to me is I'm just thinking about what it must have been like, because it's not like you were raising um, uh, sort of awareness or doing advocacy for cancer, at, you know, which everyone knows about, everyone's afraid of. There's a lot of myths and a lot of bad information mm -hmm. about what an eating disorder is, who gets one, and and why someone develops. Yes. And they're not all flattering. No. And it's, you know, it's a terrifying disease. And unless you've experienced it, I think, um, yeah, I think we have probably at times sugarcoated it, right? And not given it the, the credit that it deserves. Um, it's a, and unless you are in it, and I remember my daughter saying to me one time, she's like, nobody can possibly understand, unless you've experienced it, you can't understand it. And she mm -hmm. said, and so I even got that from my own family and friends. And it's almost like you didn't want them to get it. Cause if they got it, it meant that they were also experiencing it. Right. I and so see. it's a very isolating disease. Um, yes. You feel certainly alone and separated. And I think, you know, again, to speak to what you were saying, there are a lot of myths about eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So if we can shift gears here a little bit, this obviously has been a major part of your adult life. Um, and I want to talk a little bit now about how you have developed as a woman that this is of course a big part of it but what has being you know a woman we'll say over a certain age been like for you can you talk a little bit about that your development your exploration yes you know um, i read a book uh, quite a few years ago by richard Rohr, who is I believe a Franciscan priest and he talks about the book is called falling upward and it talks about the two seasons of one's life and the first season is spent building your container right like who you are in your family in your community in your job your career and um, the second half is about 
fill like the contents of that container who you really are inside of all of that and so for me i started to really look at that i would say within the last five to six years you know mm-hmm. we're now 16 years into this nonprofit, and you know nicole it probably i think it was in 2011 maybe, um, I was going to retire. I was going to step down from my role as the executive director of Ophelia's Place. And Mm -hmm. I had a party and there was even, you know, a picture of my face on the cake, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was retiring. (laughs) Now, what I didn't prepare for and what I didn't see through was that I really had no plans for retirement. I had no succession planning in place. I think I was just so tired at the time and so ready to relinquish the responsibility of running a nonprofit that I just went ahead and said, announce this, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm stepping down. We'll have a little party and we'll call it a day. And, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I can now look back and go, yeah, I probably could have planned a little bit better for that. And I was, I, but what I, what happened was, is that I was able to take that time, which was about a year and just kind of start to breathe again and Mm -hmm. kind of work through what is next for me. Because what I found during that time when I announced my retirement, quote unquote, uh, was that Uh people were saying to me, well, of course you're gonna keep doing this. What will you do? Because this is who you are. Mm -hmm. And I remember every time somebody said that to me, I remember thinking, this isn't who I am. This is something that I've been passionate about, that I have really fought hard for but this isn't who I am. This is something there's, that I've there's done. There's more it, to you than that. Yeah. This is maybe you're like, it, this is a facet and you've done it full heartedly, but it's not, it's not just this one thing. Correct. And so I thought, you know what I need, it's, it's not that I needed more in my life. It's that I needed to be about more. Right. So it wasn't just, you know, Mary Ellen is the founder of Ophelia, of a nonprofit that she started in this little community in upstate New York. It was, I'm more than that. I have, there's more um, pieces to me. And so it became this opportunity for me to explore that and to really kind of rest and be still. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, right? Like when we, mm-hmm. and I, because I am a, I'm one of these individuals, and I'm sure I'm not alone with that in that area, is that I think it's a good day based on what I've accomplished, right? Mm-hmm. So my worth mm-hmm. is based on crossing off the list of, you know, to-dos, right? Right, right? And sometimes I'll even put things on that list that I've already done just so I can cross it off, right? <laughs> That's the little secret that yes. uh, not everybody shares, yes. Yes. And so be like, wow, this was a great day because I accomplished, you know, all of these tasks on my list. And so instead of it just being, this is a great day because it's just the sun came up today. Right. And I got to witness that or I got to watch the sunset. And so that time for me was really important. And I got to start to I started just reflecting more and spending more time in meditation and prayer and walks and not having to accomplish, but still feel and understand that I was valuable and worthy just 
because just because what was the tipping point for you because you have been such a champion for this cause and um i i'm just curious was there anything in particular that said okay i gotta i gotta rest i have to put this aside do you remember anything yeah i think it was a lot of health issues started to surface for me and mm. I am, again, one of these people that just kind of push through. And I also, to be completely transparent here, in the course of the last 15 to 16 years of, you know, running a nonprofit that had, with the exception of the cafe, did not have a solid sustainable revenue stream. So you're constantly, you know, shaking people down for loose change and fundraising. So during this period, I had several breakdowns. And those breakdowns came in the form of just total exhaustion, right, mm -hmm. where I would, you know, my husband said it was like, he felt like he had, I was mercury, right? And every time he would try to pick up a piece, it would break into, you know, five more pieces. Oh, and he was okay. afraid he was losing some of that underneath the couches. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it, re it reminds me of this just profound level of burnout. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I have, I think that that's something that we probably need to talk more about as people as forces in nature right that are so passionate about um, their cause and their work but we don't really talk about what self-care looks like through all of that and sometimes mm -hmm. you know self-care can be it can look very selfish right and it's not it's really important and really critical but I didn't really understand that. And so mm -hmm. it was, there's always more work to be done. There's always more things to do. And so I just kept ignoring signs. Um, I kept ignoring the exhaustion and the fatigue until finally it got my attention and pretty much immobilized me, mm -hmm. you know? And so that was really a wake up call for me of really figuring out, you know what, mm -hmm. this, this isn't working. I and when can't. we Right, my body's just screaming at me now. Yes, my body was screaming. And when we say, you know, it's just stress, we devalue the impact that stress plays in our bodies. Absolutely. So that was the and as caretakers, you know, we just keep giving and giving and giving, and it becomes actually dangerous after a while. It does. It does. And that, so that's what happened to me. There was some significant signs that were really, that scared me. I'm like, okay, this mm -hmm. isn't okay anymore. And so that was the tipping point And that was the cause for pause. Right. But, you know, I've heard that from other people. There's, you know, you have, you're so determined, you're so hardworking and you get reinforced for that. People will say, oh, you're so, you know, selfless, you're so giving, you're so this and that. It does cost. Yes. It has to come from somewhere. And, you know, I think, Nicole, on so many levels, the organization filled me, right? Like, it met a need for me. It somehow, um, it somehow 
felt like I often feel selfish over what I've done. I feel selfish that I started this organization because it met such a huge need for me. I needed something good to come out of something that was so awful. And yeah. so I, there were times that I f would feel selfish over all of that. And that got very confusing for me as well. Mm -hmm. Be like, okay, I'm not, so, so I think to take that time out, right, to take that breath and to begin to start to be still and to write and to journal about this whole experience because my emotions, my, um, it, was, it was complicated and it felt mm -hmm. complicated. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to start to dig back. I wanted to start to peel back some of those layers around all of that and started doing, you know, more work with my therapist, right? And really trying to understand all of these different parts of me that continued to, you know, this, these people, all these parts of me that were trying to protect me and build all these layers around me. And so as I started to dig in and to do that work, it was really, um, very healing for me. Mm -hmm. It was very emotional for me. And now I work from, I can, I can operate from that place today where I can, I have a deeper and a greater understanding. And I find myself oftentimes getting caught up in that cycle again of doing, doing, accomplishing. And then I have to mm -hmm. take a step back and go, okay, let's take a breath. Let's figure out what's really going on here. And you know, it's not, it's uncomfortable to sit in uncomfortable feelings, right? Mm -hmm. It's radical, I think, to take care of yourself and to rest. You know, almost it's it's almost radical to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I have to take a nap or I have to go take a walk or I have you know, I haven't had time to make myself a hot meal. Right. Um, people kind of look at you a little bit crooked. <laughs> they yes. say, Oh, oh well, okay. Yes. Um, you know, and so I'm so glad, even though it had to come to extreme measure, I'm so glad you were able to say, wait a minute, time to recalibrate. This is not sustainable. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Hey there, more of the interview in just one moment. Now it's time for a quick shameless plug for my Zestful Aging web course and my newsletter, Breathe, Taste, Savor. Hop on over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging to find out more. Now back to the show. So that sounds like it was a real watershed kind of event. Um, so you started doing more self-reflection. What are the kinds of things that you started exploring other than um, being the director of Ophelia's Place. You said you didn't want to be just that. What are the other pieces? You know, I think it's figuring out who I am as a wife, right? As a mom. I mean, there are all those pieces, um, certainly. And that I am, that there's greater depth in all of us, right? And so it's digging deeper and it's having those deeper conversations. My husband and I started, I started riding a motorcycle probably, I think it's probably been close to 10 years now that oh I've been goodness. riding. Right? <laughs> how did you get, how did you start Isn't that? Isn't that crazy? So it's my, so fun. My husband rode a motorcycle when he was in college many years ago. And then when we started doing this work with Ophelia's Place, you know, we were kind of, we felt 
you know, we were here, right? Like we didn't feel like we could do much outside of starting a nonprofit. So we got talking one day about, I said, what would, what, how, how would you feel if we didn't, if you bought another motorcycle and that we could escape you know, during the week for a couple of hours on a motorcycle ride or go for a trip, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday, and it really not get in the way of the work that we are doing. And it just will be just this escape for us. And so he was very quick to reply to that and to respond to that. <laughs> so it's he ordered the a opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite of what you were doing, right? It's, I mean, yes. it was just pure fun. Yes. Yes, and so he was quick to jump on that, and and so we ordered a motorcycle. And I remember thinking, saying to him, "What if I hate riding on the back with you? And what if I hate riding?" And he said, "Well, we'll sell the motorcycle. You know, well, let's let's try this." So we tried it, and you know, Nicole, I, I might have a few control issues, and so um, <laughs> you know, after the first year of riding, I. I mean, on the back with him, I loved it. And I said to him one day, I leaned leaned around and I just said, hey, how would you feel about teaching me to ride a motorcycle? And so he had this big, I mean, he has a big Harley and he said, he took me to a soccer field and said, here we go, we're gonna give it a try. So I learned how to ride his motorcycle on a soccer field, which by the way, is not easy to ride on grass. And so, um, <laughs> That's how I started to learn. And then I ended up taking my motorcycle safety course and I bought my first motorcycle in, gosh, I think it was probably close to 10 years ago, nine years oh, ago. And then I have worked my way up to, you know, a bigger bike and um, yeah, we ride all over the place. I love it. And there's it's, so it, much freedom in that. that. I was just gonna say, it's the opposite of that, you know, life or death, over-responsible, earnest, sincere, working for the cause. I mean, it couldn't be more polar opposite, <laughs> you know, know, than the work. You, it's like, hey, you know, this is really not a lot to do with transportation, right? This is just, this is just fun. And you know what, Nicole, I learned is when you're on a motorcycle and you've got you know, not a, there's no metal around you to protect you, right? You have to be completely and totally present. You mm -hmm. have to be in the moment. And I operate where I'm always 10 steps ahead of myself, right? That's my pretty much my MO on a regular basis. And so to get on that motorcycle mm -hmm. is to be completely and totally present with my mm -hmm. surroundings, with what's in front of me, with what's around me, my body, every part of it and i i'm so grateful for that and you took a risk i yes. mean you know some people might think it's a little unusual yes yeah now i have to ask you about this boudoir photo shoot <laughs> because first of all it is gorgeous Oh, but tell you. tell me tell me about this because this is another example of you just you know, it's like this way in which you're just doing things that are a little bit off the, you know, the middle of the road and taking risks. And it just, it, it's just so delightful to see this. Tell, tell me how you decided to have boudoir photo shoot. So I, um, it was my 55th birthday and my 
25th wedding anniversary. And so I thought, you know what, what, what better way to celebrate this than to do a boudoir photo shoot and um, put together this book to give to my husband. So one thing you should know about me as, as well, and I, again, being completely transparent here, I never struggled with an eating disorder, but I definitely struggled with body image issues. And so that was my thing, right, was body image. Um, you know, grew up on a, my family, large Italian family, we all grew up with this, you know, perpetually dieting, right? You know, the mm -hmm. yo-yo dieting, all of that. And so when my kids got sick and I realized, wow, I had my own struggle around body image and all of that, I had to really do a lot of work around that. And so that I've absolutely been a work in, in progress there. And so I thought, what better way to face my my issues and my struggles with body image than to do a photo shoot? And so um, a boudoir photo shoot. So mm -hmm. that's what I did. And I remember thinking, my, I, I thought my mom was beautiful, right? And my mom struggled with her own body image. And I remember at one point with a photographer who was just, just darling, this photographer, um, and my niece also was there to help like style this, right? Not weird, not weird at all. <laughs> And so I remember saying to, they were looking through the lens of the camera and they're like, oh, this is so beautiful. This is so great. And I'm like, well, do I get to see a picture or like a preview? And so she showed me a picture and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I do look like my mom. And that was like this turning point for me because I thought my mom was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what, I can do this. And then I had a lot of fun with the rest of the photo shoot. <laughs> what a triumph. I mean, for so many ways, you know, in terms of, you know, what you had struggled with, which is basically, you know, absolutely epidemic. Um, the, the whole body, you know, dissatisfaction and that. And then also coming through, you know, the eating disorders of your daughters and all of this. And then at 55 to say, no, I'm really going to, I'm really gonna show show myself yeah um, and, and take it, that risk absolutely and I remember so I created this little book and um, I for our 25th anniversary I gave it to my husband that night when we were sitting at at dinner and so um, he opened it and the first thing he said to me was oh my gosh, this must have been so hard for you. Like he acknowledged mm -hmm. and recognized the challenge mm -hmm. for me and was so moved and touched that I would do that um, for him and for us. And really, I said to him, you know, I really started out doing this for you, but in the end, it was a huge gift for me. Mm. Wow. Wow, yeah. that is just beautiful. So beautiful. Do you have advice for any women who are sort of coming into the stage of life, you know, where we don't feel young anymore, but we also know we have time and we want to use it wisely um, and we want to remind ourselves how precious it is. You know, some women, um, as you know, and I have clients like this who have been nurturers, caretakers, they've worked really hard, they've raised their family, and now their kids are launching, um, and their job may or may not be winding down, and they really struggle with 
what now? I don't even know where to start. I have people saying I've never asked myself the question of what do I want my life to look like? What would you say to them? You know, I think it is, um, you know, I'm a terrible advice giver, um, but I think what I share is experiences, right? And so I think when I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's work mm -hmm. and when she talks about vulnerability and authenticity and getting curious, I think that that, that is it. That's it for me. Like I want, I am curious and I want to know more and I want to go deeper. And I think we absolutely do get to do that. And this is, oh, it's that, you know, it's that season that Richard Rohr talks about, that second season of our life. And that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily have to be in chronological. Like it, some people experience the second season of their life at the age of 25, and some might be 75. So I don't think age is so much um, the, the issue. I think it's that when you reach that point where you understand that your role and your family and your, in your community and in your work is in a different season or it's changed or it's time for retirement or to have children or to your children are going off to college or you know it's the empty nest like whatever that point is for you mm -hmm. I think it's that time that we really do get to be curious about what's next for us what do we what do we want to explore and get curious about in our own life um, and my husband and I have this conversation a lot you know he ended up playing taking up music again after being away from it for 30 years and mm -hmm. I love that I love that about him that he has since bought you know a couple of drum sets and has in two different bands and yeah. I think gosh we really do get to do that we got to add more in our life or take out more of in our life right 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 it's like this I think of it as like a it's almost like a, um, a blank slate or a blank canvas. Yeah, Here's so your paints. What do you want to put on this thing? Like we, yeah, I absolutely, I do agree with that. And I, I also feel like, I don't know about you, Nicole, but I, there are times when I just, I welcome not having responsibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, I even sure. said to my husband last night, I'm, I don't want to have any responsibilities this week. Can I take a day off from responsibilities? I'm yeah, over it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I, can I quote that, uh, Mary Ellen? Yes. Responsibility. Dash. I'm over I'm it. Over <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Sometimes being competent is really a burden. It's you exhausting. Know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I just oh want I want to play with my grandkids and go for a motorcycle ride and you know, eat ice cream for dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's just classic. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, you know, the other part I think about is people trying things and maybe also not expecting that they're going to be great at them, you know, right. that like maybe they'll try music, maybe they'll try in, you know, we have Oasis in Syracuse, which is a really lovely resource for people. It's, you know, the programs are wonderful. They're, they're professors oftentimes teaching these 
courses that are very interesting politics travel different kinds of stuff and you know the the idea that there's you can go and try something and you may like it and you may not right. and then you know, you may be good at it or you may not yeah so to just keep like the, leaving the judgment out which is probably another Brene Brown um piece of advice yes absolutely no judgment approach mm -hmm. things without that and don't have mm -hmm. you know these expectations of what it needs to be or what it needs to look like mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like this idea of you know as you said being curious and just just really allowing yourself time to explore and maybe even appreciating you know that we have this time mm -hmm. that we have, you know, that we don't have to be full-time parents or super caretakers Correct. Um, of our kids yes. anyway. Yeah. Any last thoughts that you'd like to add um, as we wrap up? Anything else you'd like your, um, the audience to, to know about you or, you know, I think it's, like um, I think just, I love what you said earlier about um, being powerful, right? And I think um, I'm going to, that's going to be my, maybe that's going to be my word for, for the year is powerful. And what does power mm -hmm. look like, um, you know, for me? And, you know, there's some freedom in that as well. And so I think um, with that also, that word, I also think about being brave right? And what does bravery look like? And for me, bravery looks like stepping out of my comfort zone and stepping out of the norm and, and what the expectations that I have of myself. And so, you know, maybe that's something that we can all spend some time thinking about is our own power and, and how we can be braver as we face this, you know, new time in our life, this new opportunity for us to explore, you know, this next this next stage of our lives and I'm so grateful for you the work that you're doing around all of this I love oh, the thanks. idea of you know just creating this community of women that you know we get to share our experiences together yeah thank you you know you were talking about power and it just came to mind some people might be a little you know put off by that thinking oh I don't want to be you know like someone using brute force you know mm -hmm. and that's not so but power and being powerful and being gentle can go side by side yeah absolutely right? and I think maybe I, I think of power as this energy right uh-huh yeah and so yeah. Where, what do we want to do with that energy I mean there are times that you know I want to be able to you know, go to bed at eight o'clock at night and I get to do that. Right. And there are times mm -hmm. that I'm up watching the sunrise in the morning. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, that's this gift, right. That we just, things just look so different right now. And I love this. I don't, I don't have a struggle with the number, like the age, my age yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that won't come, um, right. but I don't, I feel like there's, some, there's a lot of freedom at being 57 years old. Mm -hmm. I've heard this again and again that if I only knew how great this would be, I wouldn't be fearing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marianne, thank you so much for talking to me today. You have been an inspiration for so many women 
Um, and I really appreciate your, your vulnerability and you talking so honestly about some of the struggles you've had. Um, and I really do appreciate you uh, spending this time with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Okay, that's Mary Ellen Clausen. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. Please comment, rate me on iTunes, like and share. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. Want more zest? Head over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging where you can find out about my online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. See you next time.